0: Welcome to the Fire Time Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Fire Time Podcast. Well, we have come to the end of our rapid reaction series, and I mean, I have absolutely loved this. Today, we're going to be finishing off with an article from Edmund Poplowski called Would You Buy From You? Edmund has been a guest on this podcast previously. We'll link to his episode in the show notes. But man, he's someone that really understands the sales process. And a number of months ago, he wrote an incredible article for the Firetime Magazine called Would You Buy From You? And I did the editing work at the Time and I haven't listened to it for quite a while. So I'm excited to jump in, listen to it with you, and give you my thoughts. But you know, it's funny, I mentioned this back at the beginning of when we started the rapid reaction series. When we first started this podcast, our goal was to, to do it just on a season model because we didn't want the content to get stale. We didn't want to have to be scrounging for guests every week and always under the gun. And, you know, there was good things and bad things with that, but we felt like it kept the level of content high. Once the magazine came out and we started doing audio articles, it, it just hit me. This content in the magazine is so good that we, I mean, we got to find more ways to talk about it and think about it. So our plan going forward is that in between seasons, we'll continue to always do a rapid reaction series of magazine articles that made an impact on us. And what this is going to do is it's going to allow us to always keep you know podcast content coming, but... To, to not, you know, have to scrounge for, gosh, what are we going to do? Is it going to be any good or not? So for me, I just think it struck this awesome balance of, you know, being able to to make us reflect versus going out to listen to guests and conversations with new content. So I think it's gonna be a really cool ebb and flow going forward. So all that to say, you know We're one week away from the HPB Expo. My hope is that you're going to Atlanta and that we can get to spend some time together there because we have just some amazing plans for it. The Firetime Magazine is going to have a booth. It's in the back right corner of the trade show, booth 2159, and man, we're going to have some really awesome stuff there. I'll be doing podcasts. We'll be hosting panel conversations, and it's going to be just a really, really fun time. Now, the crown jewel of this event for us is that we are going to be giving away 3,000 copies of the Firetime Journal. And this is something that we've been working on for months. I mean, there's been, gosh, I mean, probably hundreds of hours that have gone into it between all the contributors and the content they've produced, plus our team. And gosh, I mean, you know, the the editing work that Matt Bradley's done, the the graphic design that Christy Campbell's done, I've never seen anything like it. It's the most involved piece of art I have ever Ever been a, a part of putting out. And this thing is going to be available for you totally free. It's a 150 plus page resource broken down by the eight departments of your business to grow your company. And I mean, gosh, we're, we're stuffing 100 of them with golden tickets in addition to just giving them away. These golden tickets will have, you know, you can redeem them for free consulting. Me and Grant are going to be specifically meeting with different people at the expo who get a golden ticket to help them with their business. A bunch of them are going to be drink tickets. We're like, literally, our team will just go buy you a drink and we can just hang out and talk about your life, your business, anything. So this is going to be really, really fun. And if you're going to be at the expo, this is the place to get the journal. If you're not going to be there, you better find a friend or a sales rep to come to Booth 2159 and get it. Now, to end this episode today, I'm going to read you the introduction for the journal. And my hope is that it inspires you to keep going. But for now, I'll jump out of the way and let's listen to this conversation with Edmund. I'm going to listen to it alongside of you in real time and give you my rapid reaction
1: to it. Would You Buy From You by Edmund Poplosky Let's face it, most humans are creatures of habit, and heart dealers are no exception. As such, you probably go through most days simply following your own routine. But when was the last time you took a step back and went through your customer's routine? In other words, when was the last time you went through the process of researching your company online, visiting your showroom, and buying something from your store. If it's been a while, then I would encourage you to go on that customer journey as soon as possible, but finish listening to this article first, since it includes some useful information that will hopefully help you along the way. Research your company. To start this journey off right, you need to consider how customers research your company. Today, most people find things by turning to their phones. Given that, What comes up when you search for your business online? Is it your website? Is it an article about your business? Is it a good or bad review? What's your star rating? To research these questions for this article, I decided to do an experiment with a random hearth dealer. As such, I did a quick Google search of the dealer's name, and these were the top results. The dealer's website, the dealer's Facebook page, the dealer's Yelp reviews, the dealer's house reviews, the dealer's Better Business Bureau report, a business article about the dealer. Honestly, those are pretty good results, except for Yelp. Simply put, I don't count Yelp as a quote-unquote review website because they're pay-to-play. This means that they bury your bad reviews and move your good ones up if you pay them, but they list your bad reviews first and bury your good ones if you don't, regardless of the posting date. Since most customers don't understand this system, you may need to pay Yelp's fee if you've got some bad reviews. During the same search, Google showed several different star ratings for the sample dealer. For example, it showed 4.2 stars for Facebook, 33 reviews, 4.8 stars for House, 5 reviews, and 4.1 stars for Porch, 130 reviews. I also tried Google Maps for the dealer, which listed the business at 4.2 stars, 51 reviews. That's not all bad, but I personally think you should strive for an average rating of 4.5 stars or better. The reason for this is simple. Ratings and reviews are a huge part of how people judge your business. They play a big role in driving people toward your company or chasing them away. Of course, you probably knew all of that. But one thing you might not know is how much control you have over customer reviews. For instance, I've seen businesses provide good responses to bad reviews, and that's actually encouraged people to shop at their stores. But the best thing you can do for your star rating is get good reviews, and the best way to get good reviews is to ask for them. This should be part of your follow-up process after the sale. You'll be surprised how many customers will leave your reviews if you make it easy for them. For example, you could email them a link to a review site and ask them to check their inbox while you have them on the phone. These simple steps can grow your positive reviews and increase your star ratings. As a bonus, you can also use these follow-ups to ask satisfied customers if they know of anyone who might need your services. After all, referrals are the best way to get a sale. Now that we've discussed online reviews, let's move on to websites and social media. Your website should always be the first thing that pops up when you search for your company, and it should also be easy to navigate. As with any form of advertising, your website's main goal is to get people into your store, so it should explain who you are, what you do, and how to contact you. Your Facebook page should include the same information as your website, but it's a more engaging social tool that can be very rewarding if you handle it correctly. However, it's going to take more time to manage your Facebook page than your website if you want to see some real results. After all, you'll need to consistently post pictures of new products, announcements about sales, photos of successful jobs, and articles about your business. Even though this takes some work, you'll be surprised how Facebook likes and shares can build your brand and grow your business. Visit your showroom The next step on your customer journey is to visit your showroom. Start this part of the process by simply calling your store. First impressions are important, and many of your customers will interact with your team for the first time over the phone. While you're making the call, consider the following questions. Does your team quickly pick up the phone? Can they provide easy directions to your store? Do they have simple answers for standard questions? Do they sound like they're happy to help? Remember, you want to get customers into your showroom, and a friendly, informative phone call can help make that happen. Next, visit your showroom and try to view it through the eyes of your customer. What do you see as you're heading to the showroom? Is your sign easy to see and read? Is your parking lot clean and free of debris? How about once you walk through your doors? What's the first thing you see? Does a salesperson come over and greet you? What about when you walk through the store? Does it flow? Are things neat and in place? Are displays incomplete or missing parts? Your customers notice all these details, but you probably don't because they've all become part of your daily routine. If you take this exercise seriously, you'll probably spot a few things that you can update and improve. Buy something from your store. Now that you've visited the showroom, try buying something from your store. As you do, Carefully consider how your team sells to customers. Of course, the goal here isn't to reprimand anyone, but to use it as a teachable moment. You may find an excellent presentation by one of your sales staff, and you may want to share it with the rest of your team. Afterward, make sure you give your salespeople a chance to review you as well. This simple step shows that you're a part of the team and that you're not afraid of criticism. Trust me, they will all appreciate that. As you reflect on your team's sale process, remember that you need to speak your customer's language and ask questions to find out what they really want. Personally, I go by the 80-20 rule. Some call it the 70-30 rule. Simply put, this rule requires you to ask questions 80% of the time and sell 20% of the time. Following this rule can help you find solutions that actually solve your customer's problems, and ignoring it usually ends with wasting everybody's time. For example... Customers often come in saying that they're looking for an insert, but they're really looking for a fireplace. Now, if you immediately take them over to the insert wall, only to find out 20 minutes later that they're really looking for a fireplace, you've just wasted everyone's time, and you've also jeopardized the sale. Instead of falling into this trap, follow the 80-20 rule, find your customers' pain points, and give them solutions that actually solve their problems. When you do start selling, Just tie it in with what they told you they wanted while you were asking questions. Key in on those things that seem important to them. Maybe that's looks, maybe that's heat, or maybe that's something to put under the new giant TV that dad just bought to watch the big game. From there, keep things simple. Don't use insider language or overload customers with statistics unless they ask. Above all, tell success stories and use before and after pictures to bring these anecdotes to life. If you need help training your team to use any of these strategies, reach out to your product sales reps. The good ones will help you train your staff, not just on their products, but also on sales practices in general. The great ones will do that and give you industry information, business advice, market trends, competitor news, and other information that will help you grow your business. In closing, customers don't see your business the way you do, which means you must constantly view things from their vantage point. If you don't deliberately do that, you'll simply fall into your own routines and you'll also lose touch with theirs.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that audio article. Man, I mean just the way that it ended was so strong. Customers don't see your business the way that you do. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's I mean that's the heart behind this whole podcast, right? How do we view things from the customer's perspective? to make it so stupidly easy to buy from us that there is no excuse not to. Man, I I love this article. There's a couple things that I want to get into here. You know, as Edmund started out talking about Google reviews, this is so important. I mean, honestly, like Google reviews at this moment in time that I'm recording this, I believe are the number one I don't know, most important metric or piece of marketing that you need to invest into. I I really believe that. If if, if I'm with a company and I've got a choice, like, you know, say say I've got fifty thousand dollars to invest in marketing, and I've got the choice of where to spend it. If I could, if I could pay fifty grand to get a hundred Google reviews, like I'd do it twice. They're that important. I mean, it, like it would literally be worth paying that much money to get two hundred Google reviews if the rest of your competition only has fifteen or twenty. I mean, you just think about that. If you're gonna go look for a high end fireplace, like. Everybody goes to Google Maps. They punch it in or they, you know, they go to their Google search engine, fireplace stores near me, gas fireplaces, Portland, Oregon, if you're, you know, in in the space where I live and you're going to get a bunch of results that come up. And, you know, most of them are probably going to be pretty decent. Like, you know, oh, 4.2 stars, 4.3 stars, 17 reviews, 40 reviews. And you got one company that's got 376 reviews. Like, I'm sorry, like that company is getting it at bat. I mean, guaranteed. So so I it's so important and it's not fair. Reviews are not fair, but it's the game that we're in. When when Edmund talked about paying for Yelp, I don't know. I mean, I, I never did that, but it's a it's a good idea because it's an unfair game. It's rigged against you. But if you if you have some some poor reviews on Yelp that are showing up first, that that might be something that your business has to consider. But either way, I would throw everything into it. This is this is a funny story. So there was one time where I was at an event with a friend and we were taking a look at the business and there were just kind of some red flags as we were looking at going like, man, this is, uh, this is interesting. And we, we were driving back to the hotel that night. And my friend is like, dude, I, we gotta, we gotta Google, you know, the results of, of, of this business, because I, I, I just can't believe that they have a high rating. And I, I went back to the hotel that night and, uh, and I'm, a, I'm almost asleep. My friend calls me and he's like, Tim, dude, they must have torched every customer within 200 miles. Like you, you can't, like, you can't make this up. Like these reviews are, they're horrible. It's unbelievable. Like, he, he just, he was, he's like, I've never seen anything like it. Now, in this case, what had happened is, you know, the business had, they had just, you know, ignored that part of it. And it's not even that they're a bad business. It's just that, you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's been ignored. And, and that's, uh, that's hard. Like, like if you start to get in that review hole, it takes a lot of intentionality to get out. Now, there's some really good ways to do it. My suggestion would be to pay for a service like Bird Eye or Pulse M. Pulse M is what my old company used. It's an intentional way to, you know, it's got a system to text message customers for reviews. You can send follow ups. It's not enough to just ask them to write a review like you got to get aggressive about this and customers will like you can build it into your process where a service technician before they leave. Hey, Mrs. Smith, it's been amazing getting to work on your fireplace. We live and die by reviews just like yours. Can I send you a text message after I leave where you can just give us some honest feedback? If you do that every single time you bake it into your process like you can get those reviews up. It's, It's so powerful. We should do a probably an episode just about how to build a review process you know as, as he moved on to talk about buying from your showroom calling your store having a clean parking lot these things are so important we we just we forget we sell appliances that are five to ten thousand dollars maybe even more in some cases i mean customers need a good experience when when they walk in they don't want to see a disgusting dirty cluttered mess i, I for us it's an afterthought because we habitually we've been in the space for so long we just don't see it the same way as a customer but we really have to go that extra mile of making sure it's clean it's neat and it's organized. There's a situation that I was in where you know, a bathroom door on a showroom floor was broken and, and literally I witnessed multiple people get walked in on in the bathroom. Like you can't make this up. And it, you know, like that's that's an immediate fix that has to happen because I mean just imagine if that happens to a customer in your showroom, are they sticking around to 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 buy something? No. That's obviously an extreme example. But but things like that happen all over the place. So we got to go the extra mile to making sure our showrooms are tight and neat and clean. As edmund finished out about about that idea of sales questions, the 80-20 rule. It's super important. Very often when I go to work with teams, you know, we'll go through practice on on the sales process and we'll write down how many questions a team member asked and you know, very often it's it's, it's less than 5 before we're talking about a product. And you know, I don't know what the number is, but in general, when, when I work with a team, my goal is to really get them to ask probably 25 to 30 questions and, and maybe even more like, you know, Hey, Mrs. Smith, this is, this is awesome. You're coming in looking at a fireplace. Can I ask you a few questions about your project just to, to make sure that I can understand it and show you a, an option that's good for you? Anyone will say yes to that. And then now you can say, okay, great. Like, what are you hoping to get out of this when it's all said and done? Oh, okay, cool. What What part of the house is this going into? Oh, it's in your kitchen. Okay, cool, cool. What's the decor like in that part of the house? I mean, you, you can just go and go and go and go and go and start to paint a picture. If you can do that, it, it builds trust with the customer. And the best way to get better at it is to practice. Live sales practices, I mean, it, it's just it's just the best thing that you can do with your teams, even though it's a little bit intimidating. So my hope is that you got a lot out of that. I mean, for me, it was just really cool getting to go back and listen to it. It had been quite quite a few months since I heard it. Now, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash itsfiretime. That's patreo ncom com itsfiretime. Now, to conclude today's episode, I am going to read you the introduction to the Firetime Journal. And again, we're going to be giving this away at the HPB Expo next week in Atlanta. If you're not going to be there, Find somebody who is to get you an extra copy of it. And again, I mentioned this, I think, last episode, but the show this year doesn't have a printed guide, so you need to download the HPB Expo app, and that's going to be your show guide, and you'll get all the information on everything that we are doing there. Our Fireside Magazine meetup, the panels that I'm hosting, the education classes that me and Grant are going to be teaching, so make sure to go and download the HPB Expo app. All right, here is the heart behind the Firetime Journal. My hope is that this inspires you, and my hope is that this shows you that what we're doing is unique, and it is here to stay. It's called From Lost to Found. Most of us fell into this business the old-fashioned way, by mistake. And let's face it, selling fireplaces isn't exactly a job that comes with a lot of prestige. Maybe you've faced embarrassment at a party where everyone else has an important job, and you just fell into yours after dropping out of school. Or maybe you went to college, got a degree, and were ready to take on the world, only to end up as a fireplace retailer. It's easy to be crushed year after year in the busy season, and once you can finally take a breath, realize it's all about to start over again. And for years, it's only been us. Lone retailers lost on a path with no map, but no more. We're coming together to overthrow the small and shadow scarcity mindset that's dominated for so long. By sharing our secrets and learning from each other, we're creating a community like nothing our industry has ever seen before. And the secret is giving away what we have for the good of others. This journal is exactly that. A sum of content written by the industry and for the industry to help brick and mortar retailers win in the landscape of new business. We may have started out lost, but as we found each other, we found ourselves as well. And now we're drawing a map. A map that others can follow for years to come. For the new owner at the end of her rope, this is for you. For the owner's son who feels like an imposter, this is for you. For the college dropout trying to find their way into a career, this is for you. For the innovator who no one will listen to, this is for you. For the woman who just wants to be seen as an equal, this is for you. For the husband and wife who have worked together for decades and wonder if they have what it takes to finish strong, this is for you. And for those who have come before and fought against the current of fear to lead with generosity and pave the way, this is for you. Welcome to the Firetime Movement.